0: This inspiring message comes to you from Impact Church in Kingston, Ontario, where we are committed to living like Jesus and loving like Jesus. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. All right, good morning. It's uh, so exciting to be here with you this morning for Vision Sunday. Um, Really excited, really pumped about what God wants to speak, uh, not only through... Uh, Me this morning, but most importantly to the church, I believe this morning that God is literally wants to remind us of our prophetic destiny. He wants to remind us not only of what he has already spoken over our church, but he wants to speak to us a message that is pointed directly towards the future of this house and the things that we need to do to prepare for that. How many know that with every prophetic word and every prophetic destiny that's declared over a particular family, a person, or in this case, the church, Uh, With it comes adjustment. With it comes a decision to align ourselves with what God is doing. And so this morning, I just want to start this morning with a word of prayer, if we can. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this morning. We thank you, Lord, for your message of hope and your message, uh, Lord, of a very significant destiny over this house. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the years that you have built up the, st- the foundations of this house. You've built into the very foundational work of this house. You've strengthened us. You have uh, called us. You have literally placed upon this church a mantle, a prophetic destiny, Lord, uh, that would not only reach those that would come to impact, but most importantly, would reach those in this city that do not know you. For Father, we thank you today that you've called us to be a city-reaching church. We give you praise for that. We give you honor and glory for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, back in September, we were blessed to have Charlie Sweet with us, uh, who absolutely blessed uh, this church with an incredibly powerful weekend. It started on the Friday night with our youth. Um, it carried on Sunday morning and Sunday night uh, in our meetings uh, here at the school, and um, I'm excited about what came forth that weekend, not just specifically over individuals, although that was awesome. The level of accuracy from Charlie's prophetic ministry was probably the strongest I have ever seen in my life in church. But even more importantly, I want us to gather together um, what was declared over us in September um, and every other time in the history of this church. One of the things that Charlie Pastor Charlie challenged Sandra and I to do was to look back over the prophetic history of this church and over this house and to see the patterns and see the, the, the interwoven themes of the Word of the Lord over this church and literally package it together and find out who we are and what God's calling us to do. So that's what we did. Starting in September, we literally started combing over those words and over the themes. And what I want to declare to you this morning is a packaged... Uh, Very quickly, a package of the prophetic words, the consistently uh, patterns of prophetic words over impact church. First and foremost, it's been said many times that impact is going to be a city reaching church. We see that with Hands of Hope. We see that with the back to school bash. We see that with some of the different things and connection points that we have as a church family. We see that in your connection points with people at work and in your community, your neighbors, your family, your friends. But it's a city-reaching church because, number two, we're an apostolic church. God didn't call us to be a little country church with 20 people where all the families know one another because they're all probably related. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. There's great churches out there that are small churches that are doing a great work for God. But God never put upon us uh, that mantle. He put upon us a city-reaching mantle because he sees that we will be a dangerous church in the city of Kingston. One of the words that's come forth over this house is that impact would not be a small work, but will be a prosperous work. One of the banners that that Charlie literally shared with us in September is that he sees a banner over top of this house called the House of Restoration. The House of Restoration. A place for restored marriages, a place for restored finances, relationships, morals, health, and spiritual authority. We believe that this is also going to be a house of deliverance. That was the second banner that was declared. A house of restoration, a house of deliverance. A place that will bring healing to a broken city and a broken people. Danny Benia spoke over Sandra and I about seven years ago that this church would be filled with broken people that would re- be restored in the house of God. And the next statement he, he literally declared was that a broken people are a dangerous people. Why? Because they know the redemptive love of an amazing God that loves us with an everlasting love that breaks through the very place of darkness and brings hope and healing to a place that we never thought we would ever come. And that's where God is an awesome God. I believe that Impact Church will be a church that grounds people in the Word of God. That it will be a church of teaching, truth, and understanding. It will be a war room of prayer and intercession. We know that, the, that prayer literally is the entrance room of heaven. And so we need to literally find a place to prioritize prayer and to prioritize the Word of God. This is why we are starting this Bible reading plan this year, because we believe as you focus on the Word of God, and as we focus on on the, the things that the Holy Spirit wants to say to us, God is going to change and transform our lives in a powerful way. Impact, also, prophetically being declared many times over, will be established in a permanent home. We believe that we've been portable for a season, but we honestly believe very clearly that Us being portable is a season that's coming to an end soon. We believe that God is going to open doors of opportunity for us in this city to be established in a permanent place, in a permanent location. We're excited about that. It's also been declared that we're a Gideon army church that will do great exploits, that there are prophetic songs that will come from this house, that CDs will come from this house and touch the nation. We believe that the word of the Lord over this house is that impact will have favor with the city with government officials, with education officials, with businesses. We've already seen that already. We were blessed just a couple of weeks ago to have Mayor Brian Patterson with us for our Hands of Hope outreach. We are excited and blessed by that. The fact that he sees the potential in this house is just confirmation of what God wants to do through this incredible group of people that love Jesus with all their heart. We also believe that that one of the word of the Lord over this this, uh, church has been that we will have a voice in the city. That we'll have a voice at the table of decision in the city. We also believe that there's an extraordinary blessing that will come on an extraordinary people because of an extraordinary spirit of generosity. I'm going to say that again because I want you to hear that this morning. That we have an extraordinary blessing on an extraordinary people because of an extraordinary spirit of generosity. The reality is this, is that the vision that is locked up in not only our lives and our hearts, but in your hearts and in your lives, the very thing that God's called you to, it is great and it's awesome, but it takes resources, not just finances, but people's time, people's talent, and people's treasure to do what God has called us to do. Those are the prophetic declarations over this church. I believe in it. I'm excited by it. I believe that God is going to do Powerful things, but with the prophetic declarations has come uh, prophetic warnings uh, over Impact Church, and I want to say this very clearly this morning: a warning does not mean doom. A warning does not mean the end of the world. A warning doesn't mean um, that uh, you know that God doesn't love us. What a warning does is says, listen: if we can align ourselves, if we can come under uh, the flow and the river of what God is saying. To our church right now, and if we align ourselves with what he is doing and with what he is saying, then God's blessing will come. But there has been prophetic warnings. The first warning that has consistently come out over our church, it has started, you know, back a year ago, but Pastor Gary and June literally hammered this home, and it literally is this. The first, the first warning was alignment leads to advancement. God wants to bring alignment And as we understand for those that have ever been to a chiropractor, we would understand that part of alignment means adjustment. How many know that adjustment isn't necessarily the most wonderful feeling in the world, but the benefits of it in the end far supersede what you're going through in the moment? And so whenever God brings alignment and he brings adjustment, he's not doing it to, to make you feel bad or to condemn you or to shame you, but he's doing it because he sees the potential that is on your life, the very seed of greatness that is on the inside of you. God wants to see come to fruition. And so believe today and believe together that the best days of your life and the best days of the life of Impact Church are yet to come. Because I believe that with all my heart. But God is simply saying one thing. Align yourself. Align yourself. Align yourself to his thinking. Get away from false teaching and mixture and worldliness. Align yourself and your thinking to his objectives. Is our goal, is our goals our goal or is God's goals our goal? What are we literally striving for? What are we reaching towards? We also have to align our desires. What are we investing in? What are we spending time in? What are we we spending the best of our time in? What What do we have that we're doing with our life right now? And a question that I would have is the same question that I would ask myself is simply this. Does it have eternal value? In other words, are we spending time doing a whole bunch of stuff that has no eternal value? If we are, let's make an adjustment. Let's align ourselves with the plan and purpose of God for your life and for this church. Why? Because I believe this morning that there is a generation of people that are out of place, been misplaced, and thought they've been replaced, but we gotta let them know today that they have a place because God's called them here. God has called them to a place that is only found in Him. He has a literally you are a piece of a giant puzzle that is so necessary. If we have every other piece in place, but your piece is missing, then we are not whole. And so you need to know this morning that God has a place for you, that you have not been misplaced you have not been replaced but God has a place for you and God wants to see you take your place in the house of God so that you can be everything that God's called you to be the second warning that has come out not only was alignment the first warning the second warning was that we need to enlarge our capacity in order to handle the harvest we need to enlarge our capacity that's the thing that we need to do. Think about this. If we grew by 50 people overnight, that would probably include 15 to 20 more kids, which means we need more kids workers. If we grew overnight, do we have enough biblically qualified and impact church trained and released leaders to sustain that growth? If we grew overnight, are we, are we as pastors, as the pastoral team, Pastor Sandra and, and, and Pastor Ray and, and, and myself, are we freed up enough to be able to focus on what is most important in our role in our jobs. Are we ready to go? Are we on board with the discipleship process of Impact Church? You know, many, many years ago, actually it was in 2010, uh, I did a series called Blueprint. And really the whole idea of that series, other than to kind of lay out the blueprint of who we are as a church, um, if you're fairly new to the church, I would encourage you to go back and listen to that or or even uh, email me for the notes for that series because I think it has a great... A insight into who we are and what we're doing. But there were two things that I landed on. Two things after prayerful consideration. I kept thinking to myself, when it comes to a discipleship process and really helping people along the journey of their spiritual life, what is it that we need to land on? What, what is it when everyone's dealing with a need-to-know moment or a need-to-grow moment, what do they need in their life? And I kept coming back down to the same two things, that they need to grow in their understanding of God's Word. And number two, They have to grow in connection with other spiritual Christians, believers that are growing in their faith. In other words, we need the Word and we need people who are inspiring us to live like Jesus and to love like Jesus. Why? Because that's our vision. That's what it's all about. We always say live love, but it's live like Jesus and love like Jesus. So this is why we created Equip. The Equip campaign, which includes our Equip classes, is our Bible training uh, side of our discipleship process, but our connect groups are our, our small group ministry. Those are the points of connection. That's where you get to know people. That's where you can build relationships. That's where you can go to a whole other level. So the second thing is first we need to align. The second warning we have from from all of these prophetic words that have come forth over the last seven and a half years and more specifically over the last year is we need to enlarge our capacity. We need to be ready. How many Believe this morning that we need to be ready. Amen? The third thing is this, and I love this disappointments are temporary, divine appointments are eternal. I'm going to say that again. It's so good. Disappointments are temporary, divine appointments are eternal. Can I share something with you this morning? Can I encourage you with something this morning? The only one that is causing you to be stuck in your past is the enemy. And you. The enemy lives in the past. Every time the enemy comes to you, the only thing he likes to do is remind you of the past. The only thing the enemy wants to do is to keep you in your past so that you never move forward. But I want to challenge you this morning. I want to, I want to share with you this morning. First of all, somebody that's been through my own challenges. Somebody that has been through tough times. Somebody that has been through tough times, not only personally, but also as a pastor, pastoring people i tell you, pastoring people is not the easiest job in the world. Sometimes it's incredibly difficult. But I have news for you this morning that God's grace is sufficient for anything that God's called you to do. His grace will always be there. But disappointments are temporary. In other words, don't be stuck in a season of regret. Don't be stuck in a season of rejection. Don't be stuck in a season of ridicule. live in the new season of restoration, renewal, rejoicing, reconciliation, repair, recovering, and rebuilding. God wants to rebuild your life. He wants to build you up so that you can be literally a source of encouragement and inspiration for someone else's walk and journey. But we have to allow the Holy Spirit's power to empower us to overcome. God wants to empower us to overcome. The fourth warning, prophetic warning that has come out over the last while has been something very simple. It's it's literally, I've phrased it in this this word, but it's come out in many different forms, but I'm going to call it this. We need to sanctify in order to occupy. You say, what in the world does that mean? Thank you for asking. I'm going to explain it. The command given to Joshua and the nation of Israel before they entered the promised land was simply this sanctify yourselves for in 3 days you will meet God wow in 3 days you're going to meet God you're going to be empowered by God you're going to be given your marching orders you're going to be given your purpose and your and, and, and the very uh, you're going to literally discover what you're on this earth for but for 3 days i want you to cleanse yourself I want you to purify yourself. That's what sanctify means. Cleanse yourself. Purify yourself from sinful activity, from unhealthy motivations, from a wrong attitude, from, uh, from things that you've allowed in your life that has caused mixture. Sanctify, purify, cleanse yourself. Why? Because on the other side of it, you will occupy. If you sanctify, then you'll take your promised land. If you don't sanctify, you won't occupy. And so God wants to challenge you this morning for an amazing opportunity. The prophetic destiny over your life is true. The prophetic destiny over this church is true. The prophetic destiny over our future is true. But you have to make a decision. I'm going to align myself. I'm going to enlarge my capacity. I'm going to literally lay down my disappointments and believe God for a a new season of breakthrough. And the last is this. I'm going to sanctify in order to occupy... If I can say it like this this morning, we need to make room for our prophetic destiny. We need to make room for God. And some of us maybe have the wrong priorities. It's a great first message in the year. We just, hopefully some of us came up with some new New Year's resolutions. But I have a new New Year's resolution for you. A challenge for you is simply this. Put God first. Don't put Him second or third. Put Him first, second, and third. And in everything else, put them for second, third, fourth, and fifth. Because God will literally lead you to become a year of change and transformation and ready you for the very plan and purpose of God for your life. If I can this morning, I want to talk a little bit about the Shunammite woman in 2 Kings chapter 4. For those that were around in the summer, you would have heard uh, Sandra and myself both over uh, some different messages actually refer to uh, this story and refer to the Shunammite woman. I'm actually going to take a bit of a different spin on it this morning. Um, but in 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 8-10, to it says, Now it happened one day that Elisha went to Shunam, where there was a notable woman, and she persuaded him to eat some food. So it was, as often as he passed by, he would turn in there to eat some food. And she said to her husband, Look now, I know that this is a holy man of God who passes us by regularly. Verse 10, please let us make a small upper room. Let's make room for our prophetic destiny. Let's make a small upper room on the wall and let us put a bed for him there and a table and a chair and a lampstand. So it will be whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there. Notice a couple things here. Number one, she cleared out everything and left only four items in the room. Spring is coming. I wish it would come sooner than it is, but spring is coming. And one of the things that we love to do in Canada is we do our spring cleaning, and we clean things up, and we get stuff ready for a yard sale or a garage sale or maybe one of our fundraisers to raise money for Haiti, and we start clearing stuff out. Well, literally what God is saying here and what God is speaking to us as a church through the Shunammite woman is in order to make room for God, we have to clear everything else out. But we have to leave four very specific items. And I believe prophetically over this church this morning that these are the very four items that God wants to deal with us. And so it's time, if I can say it like this this morning, it's time to declutter. It's time to declutter. Remove what has no eternal value because it is a time waster. We are, I believe, walking in the end times. We are in the end of days. Whether that's 20 years or 40 years or 80 years, I have no clue. But I know this, this is the season of seasons that God prophesied about. That many prophets and many apostles and disciples prophesied about. Where so many things prophetically are being confirmed and happening. But what were the four things that the Shunammite woman is speaking of? What are the four things that she made sure was in this room for the man of God? And that man was a prophet, so that man represented the prophetic destiny declared over her life. She made room for the prophetic destiny. Well, the first thing was this. She, she literally put a bed in there, which for many of us, we would automatically understand and know that that speaks of rest. Hebrews 4, verses 2 to 3, it says this. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. For he who have believed do enter that rest. Did you catch that? Those who believe will enter the rest of God and cease from striving and trying to figure everything out. Those who believe. It goes on in verse 9 to 12, and it says this, there remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. For the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit. In other words, to divide your soulish thoughts from spiritual thoughts. In other words, to help you to discern what is of eternal value versus what is not of eternal value in joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Listen to me this morning. When we do things in God's rest, everything's different. We believe in the transformative power of God's Word. We believe that God's Word is living and active. We believe that God's Word has the ability to separate those things that do not have eternal value from those things that do. We will know what God is saying and what He wants us to do when we can separate ourselves to His purpose and His cause. When we literally prioritize the Holy Spirit and the Word of God this year, He is going to give us incredible clarity about our role, not only in our own lives, but in this church. I believe that. Oftentimes in the Bible, uh, sweating or perspiring is representative of striving. Sweat, toil, and hard labor was part of the curse on Adam for disobedience. Interesting thought, but in the Old Testament, and it's actually referenced this in Ezekiel chapter 44, verses 17 to 18, it literally references that God required the priests who ministered to God in the tabernacle, in the temple, to wear linen instead of wool to keep them from sweating. Why? Because it represented striving. In other words, whenever we as the royal priesthood that 1 Peter 2.9 talks about comes into the presence of God, he wants us to be ready to serve and not to strive. To be ready to serve the purpose of God rather than to strive to do our own thing. This is what God is teaching us this morning. He's given us a bed so that we can rest in Him, so that we can literally learn how to rest in what God is saying rather than striving to make it happen. God doesn't want us to create Ishmaels all the time. He wants us to create an Isaac and follow Him. Second thing is this it's a table that He puts, which speaks of the study of God's Word. A table, literally, um, if I can reference a, a great example of a table in scripture, is Ezekiel or sorry Exodus chapter twenty-five, verses twenty-three, where it talks about the table of showbread in the tabernacle, which is also called the table of the presence bread. It was made from acacia wood, covered with gold, and it represents the continual presentation of the living word of God, the bread from heaven, Jesus, the rhema of God versus the logos. The logos is the literal printed word of God, your Bible, what you can carry, what you hold, what you read from, what you study from. But the rhema of God is the prophetic, uh, revealed word of God to you, something that jumps off the page and literally speaks to your life. And I believe that God is literally declaring things prophetically over this house and he's repeating himself over and over and over again so that we get it, so that we realize that there's a greater prophetic destiny over this house and a greater prophetic destiny over this church. The third thing he has is a chair, which interestingly enough speaks of reconciliation. Exodus 25 verse 10, it talks about the Ark of the Covenant, which was made of acacia wood, which represents humanity, and was covered in gold, which represents divinity. Remember in heaven, the streets are are literally made of gold. Inside was the Ten Commandments, in other words, God's heart. Manna, God's provision. And Aaron's rod, God's power. God's heart, God's provision, and God's power. But the only way to get to God's heart, God's provision, and God's power was through the mercy seat, which was on top of the Ark of the Covenant. What was this mercy seat? It was a seat of reconciliation. It was a seat of restoration. It was a seat of relationships being restored. Exodus twenty-five seventeen. it talks about the mercy seat. And what's literally interesting, another term that many Bible scholars will use to describe the mercy seat, is it's literally called the lid of reconciliation. The lid of reconciliation. Without reconciliation of your past, of relationships, and of your faith in God, you will not experience the fullness of the presence of God, which is what the ark represented. It represented the very presence of God. If we are to be a house of restoration for the city, then we need to be a house of restoration in our hearts first and in our homes second. Because if we can be a a house of restoration in our hearts and in our homes, then God will entrust us to be a house of restoration in his house, the very house of God called Impact Church. And so we need to literally take this word and, and take it personally and live it out. So it was a bed. It was a table. There was a chair. But there was one more item, and it was a lamp. And the lamp literally speaks of the Holy Spirit. In Exodus 25, 31, it references one of the other uh, items that were in the tabernacle and it was called the lampstand. And the lampstand was made of pure gold, had one central shaft and six side branches. It was a golden lamp that burned olive oil continually. Oil in the Bible represents the infilling and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It represents the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's the anointing of God upon you to serve and minister with effectiveness. Listen to me this morning. This this, this city of Kingston does not need more information. The city of Kingston needs demonstration. I'm going to say that again because I need you to hear this this morning. The city of Kingston does not need information. The city of Kingston needs demonstration. 1 Corinthians 2, verses 4 and 5, it says this, And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. That your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. I love that. I pray that your faith will not be in the wisdom of Cameron Jeffs, or Sandra Jeffs, or Rachel Quirt, or anybody else that is teaching or leading in this church. But I pray that the very, very wisdom of God would be locked up in the very power of God. The demonstration of the Holy Spirit of God that can transform your heart and mind and life. That's what I'm believing for this morning. Many of us remember the story of the Shunammite woman as I said earlier we talked about her in the summer. She made a room for the prophet of God. She put four items in that room. God blessed her because of her blessing the man of God. God blessed her with the very the very thing that she longed for the most, which was a son. But interestingly enough, her son died. So what did she do? She literally went back to the very source of the promise and laid her son on the prophet's bed. She didn't lay him on his own bed. She didn't lay him in her bed. She laid him on the prophet's bed. Why? She laid him on the very source of the prophetic destiny over her life. And her son was resurrected. I don't know about you, but some of, some of you, I'm sure, feel the same way that Sandra and I do at times. Sometimes we, we keep wondering why we can't seem to get past a certain place or a certain point. Sometimes we wonder why we keep hitting the proverbial wall. Sometimes we wonder why we haven't seen certain breakthroughs yet. But I have news for you this morning. If we take the very, perf- the very promise of God, the very inheritance of God, and we place it back on the very bed of of that prophetic destiny, the very source of that prophetic destiny, if we bring it right back to the very source, which is God himself, then God is responsible to resurrect it. And we don't have to strive, we can rest. We don't have to make it happen, we can rest. We don't have to try to figure it all out, we can rest. But we have to place him on the bed of rest, the very seed of the prophetic destiny over her life. And because of that, he was resurrected. I have news for you this morning, we're in a new season. It's a season of breakthrough. It's a season of resurrection. It's a season of rain, of His presence, of the Word, of the Holy Spirit, of war, of momentum, of advancement, of revival, of miracles. It's a season of transformation. I believe that this morning, that this is a season of transformation. God is going to do great things in this house. God is going to do great things in this city. And I believe we're about ready to step into the very prophetic destiny that God has determined from the beginning of the foundation of the world very soon. God is getting us ready, but we have to heed his warnings. We can't just get excited about what God has said and do nothing about it. This woman said to herself, hey, you know, it's great that the prophet of God comes by every day, but she was the only one that made room for him. I'm sure he came by many other people, but she was the only one that made room for him. She was the only one that decluttered her life. She was the only one that said, I'm going I'm to make room for the man of God and I'm going to get rid of everything from this room and only leave four things. I'm going to leave rest. I'm going to leave the Word. I'm going to leave the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to leave reconciliation, restoration in this room. Because when I have the Word and I have rest and I have the Holy Spirit and I have restoration, everything's going to happen then God is in charge, and God will make it happen. So what do we need to do as a church? Thanks for asking. What do we need to do? Well, looked at that first prophetic warning. We we look at alignment. Well, I think the first thing that we need to do is we need to determine, is, is this my church? Is this the place that God's called me to? And if it is, what are you doing about it? What are we doing about it? What are we doing about it, not just individually, but as a community, as a, as a group of believers? What are we doing with the discipleship process? Are we making a d- decision to say, I'm all in, that I want to be involved, I want to I grow, I want to be stretched, I want to be in relationship, I want to be in community? Maybe you're sitting here this morning and saying, I keep hearing about all these testimonies about people's uh, just, you know, incredible testimonies of community and of change and of growth but I just don't feel like I have that. I I want to challenge you this morning. Get involved. Get connected. Get on board serving in the house of God. Get on board building the house of God. Give God your very best. Don't give Him your leftovers. Don't give Him what you've got on the side, but give Him your very best. I know one thing that Sandra and I need desperately is we need your prayers. Pray for us. Set aside some time every week, maybe every day, and pray for us. Pray for our family. Pray for our kids. Sometimes it's very hard to be able to express some of these things as a pastor to, the, to our church. But I have news for you this morning. Some of you would know this. Some of you would not. But pastoring is hard work. It's not an easy job. And one of the things that is always a challenge with us is sometimes how it affects our family. And I'm so thankful that our kids love church and they love church you know, being a part of the house of God, and they just can't wait till Sunday morning. They just get excited about it. But there's unique challenges that come with pastoring a church and, and raising a family at the same time. So I want to encourage you guys this morning. Pray for us. Pray for our kids. Pray for all 17. Um, because I tell you, God needs, uh, God needs a church that fights for one another in prayer. Believe God together for the prophetic destiny of this house, to be fulfilled. If I can say this morning, what else does alignment connect to? It also connects to your goals and your dreams. When Pastor Ray spoke back in, in, uh, in the summer, um, she talked about the idea of submission. And I can honestly say in my life and, and being around church circles for many years, it's probably one of the most misused and most abused words I've ever heard in my life as far as church life is concerned. It breaks my heart, to be honest with you. As a pastor, as a father, as a person, as a human being, it breaks my heart that that's been used to control people, to manipulate people, to misuse people, to abuse people. But it also breaks my heart that many people don't understand the true meaning of it. They don't understand what it means to submit one to another. To submit, to sub literally means to come under. That's why it's called a submarine. It's under the water. To sub is to come under mission, someone else's mission, someone else's plan. You know, what's going to make you great and what, what's going to make this church great is what's already made it great for the last seven and a half years is that we believe in each other and we support one another and we are literally each other's biggest cheerleaders. I I'd encourage you as a church to keep doing that. If you're on the, out, you know, on the outskirts or not really connected or not really committed, not really involved, I want to challenge you with something. We have a great group of people in this room. We have a great group of people that love God and love living for God. And so I want to challenge you this morning, get connected, get involved. Second thing is this, is we need to enlarge our capacity. Um, We've got to make more room. And so what we're doing, some of you may have noticed this, some of you maybe not, but uh, in the last six months, we've increased our chair capacity. Uh, When we moved to the school, we were at 136 chairs. How do I know? Because I used to set them up and I could count them all the time. 136 chairs. Well we've just realized that we have a capacity of 210. And so what we're doing is we're continuing to add chairs. We're adding chairs in the back section. We're adding chairs on the side. We are continually adding chairs. Why? Because we believe that God wants us to grow. Um, we also are um, obviously um, thinking about a lot of things. And so I want to just uh, say this statement this morning and, and, and use it as a warning, as a, as, a, as a means to get you ready for what's down the road. We cannot predict when we're going to be in a permanent space. It could be three months from now, six months from now, a year from now, but I know this, that sometime soon we're going to be out of here and into a permanent facility. I believe that with all my heart. And one of the things that God has been laying on my heart has just been the, the month of September of this year. I don't know why. I usually don't share that with the church. I usually don't share those kind of things with the church because I just kind of marinate in it, but I've been getting really excited in my spirit about September um, again, whether that happens or not, I don't know, but I really feel like God is trying to get us ready for something greater. But I want to say this morning: consider this your first warning about two services. Um, we believe we're going to grow, but we know that we have a, a a lid as far as how many people we can get in into this building. So we have to be thinking two services. For the last six months, I've actually been researching and talking to several friends of mine and and other, even pastors in this city and other cities across Canada that have two services on a Sunday morning and find out exactly what they do, how they've done it, how they communicated it. And so I want to let you know today, we are open to whatever God would want to do and however we need to expand. Sometimes there's things that we want to do and sometimes there's things that we don't want to do, but either way, we say yes to God because God wants to get us ready, okay? Second thing is this, we need to enlarge our volunteer base, we have needs. Uh, I think Colleen would say very quickly with me and agree with me that right now we're on the edge of having too many kids in each class, which means we need a fourth class in impact kids, which means minimum we're going to need another eight, eight volunteers in impact kids. We need help with our teardown. We need help with some of the other things that we need to do. Why? Because we know that when you have more people volunteering, it lightens the load on those that feel the pressure or the, or the commitment to do more. Um, and we have to be careful that we don't burn those people out because we believe in what God is doing. I also believe this morning that one of the ways that we need to expand is with staff. We don't really, outside of Sandra and I, we don't have staff. We have Pastor Ray that literally volunteers a lot of her time for free, um, but it's time that we need to expand our staff. We need to support uh, the growth that is happening, and I know right now that, that that is a big decision that is on our mind that we're praying into. Um, same time, too, we need to, Sandra and I need to be freed up. One of the things that's really been on our hearts that we've been processing through is Lord, how can we have a voice in the city? How can we be involved in a greater capacity in the city? How can we speak to certain areas of things that are going on in the, in the world? I've been reading the, the Kingston Wig for a while, and one of the things that keeps coming up is the housing issues and, and, and the need for. uh, some different ideas around housing uh, in the city. Obviously, there's different things that we have connection to, even up at Rideau Heights. But one of the things that we keep coming back to is, Lord, what do you want us to be involved in? What is citywide, what is a city uh, initiative that we need to be involved in? And Lord, how do we do that? And so, I'm sharing that with you this morning to say we need to be praying along together and say, Lord, what do you want us to be involved with? Some of you are in very significant places in the city and may have an open door uh, to get involved in city committees. Uh, be a voice at a certain table in the city. I want to encourage you guys, prayerfully consider it. Just the same way that Sandra and I are prayerfully considering, God, what do you want us to do? How many know that when opportunities come, we've got to be ready and have the time to say yes and to do it with excellence. Because when we can say yes to something in the city and we do it with excellence, then we're going to have greater favor. But if we say yes to something and we don't do it very well, that's not going to help us. As a matter of fact, in the end, it's going to hurt us. And so let's do things well. The third thing that we've got to address is disappointments. Disappointments is probably the number one joy stealer and passion stealer in humanity. And I want to say this morning, Sandra and I understand what disappointments are like. We, we know it personally. Now, we may not stand up here Sunday to Sunday and, and declare all of those things to you, um, for the most part, because we don't live in the past. We live in, we live in the moments that God has given us, and we live in the here and now, and with the idea of what God's doing in the future. Um, we know what it's like you know, to go through difficulties with friends or people that You thought at one point we were your friends. Um, We know what it's like to be disappointed. But I have news for you this morning. This is a house of restoration. And we need to be ready for those that are coming in disappointed. We need to be ready uh, for those that are coming in with hurts and hang-ups and addictions and all kinds of other stuff. But we honestly understand what it's like to feel those disappointments. But if I can say this this morning... Don't let your disappointments rob you of your divine appointments. Don't let the enemy win. Don't let him steal your destiny. Okay? How, how does that happen? Well, sometimes for some people, disappointments cause hesitation. And what we do is we hesitate in relationships. But God knows that the very source of blessing and the very source of strength for your life oftentimes comes in a package called relationships, called friendships, called community. So I have news for you this morning. This is a safe place. There's some incredible people in this church. They have their own story of God's redemption and God's love and God's grace and God's mercy. But I want to, if I can, I want to challenge you this morning. Connect in a connect group. Be intentional about building relationships. Come to the next encounter, which for those that don't know is March 4th and 5th of this year. Why? Because encounters can heal and can transform. I tell you right now, God meets people in a very unique and intimate and special way at those encounters. And God transforms people's lives. I've seen it time after time after time again. You know, take that Bible reading plan that we just introduced and take it seriously. Allow the word of God to transform your life. And let unity become uh, a, place, uh, a place of uh, of rallying around for your own life, right? Don't let something fester in your life, but get over it. Deal with it quickly. Process through it in a Matthew 18, uh, 18 concept so that you can be healed and whole. And the fourth thing is this, is we need to sanctify, we need to cleanse ourselves, and we need to purify ourselves. We need to do things that are going to prepare us for the future. Um, sometimes when we look at it, you know, Sandra and I have often talked about different standards and different things that we live by. And in the Word of God, there are certain things that are very clear in Scripture that you cannot miss. Uh, that's very black and white. There's no gray. It's just very black and white. This is a sin, period, end of story. Those standards are pretty easy to pick up on. Those are standards that God requires of us as believers to live by. Um, because he knows that when we live by Bible principles, we'll live and we'll have Bible blessing in our life. Well, there's also something called community standards, and there's personal standards. Now, we have to be very careful not to declare that a community standard is biblical, and we also can't declare that a personal standard is biblical, because sometimes a personal standard has to do with our own own personal convictions in our life that God would deal with us in specifically because of areas of weakness in our lives. Again, I'm not talking about a flat-out sin, but you know one of the things that Sandra and I have been thinking about and processing through is if we're to sanctify, if we're to cleanse ourselves, if we're to purify ourselves as a church, if we are to position ourselves to be a house of restoration, what what does that look like? And what is the responsibility that's on our life? What are, what are we supposed to do with that? Um, and I tell you, we've been prayerfully considering this thought in a, for a long time. And, a, and there's a lot of different things that we're thinking through. There's a lot of different things that we're processing through and praying about because we believe that God's called us prophetically to be a house of restoration. So I have news for you this morning. I'm going to address one particular issue, um, not because it's a more important issue, not because it's a less important issue, um, just because it's something that we're going to establish as a community standard. Now, for those that have been around any length of time, will know that Sandra and I have a personal standard um, re- related to this issue. And the issue I'm going to talk about this morning very briefly, but just to use as an example, is the issue of alcohol. Um, for those that maybe haven't had a chance to read the blog on the website, I encourage you guys to go to, the, to the, our website, impactkingston.com, and uh, literally click on the blog from December 31st um, where I address uh, the issue of alcoholism, or al- I shouldn't say alcoholism, but alcohol. Um, and I want to talk to you very briefly about why um, we're bringing this issue up. Um, our personal standard... It has been for years, and I can speak for myself. I've never had a sip of alcohol in my life. There's many reasons why that is. Um, My desire is to not be a stumbling block, but to be a building block for others. My desire is to be an example to others. Uh, My desire is to never start something. Therefore, I don't have to be set free from something if I didn't start something to begin with. Um, But I'm also the product of of different personal situations and things that I've seen in my own life, whether it's family or loved ones or friends, uh, neighbors, that have had an an issue of alcohol. When I worked at John Howard Society, I can honestly say in all my years at John Howard and all my years as a pastor and all my years in life that I've never ever had someone sit across the desk from me and say to me, listen, when I started drinking alcohol, everything got better. It's never happened. I don't think it'll ever happen because it just doesn't get better. Alcohol is not the source for you and it's not the solution for you. So why am I bringing up this particular issue this morning? Well, how many know Um, that without clarity on certain things, it leads to confusion. We don't want to have any confusion. One of the things that we have been prayerfully considering, and it's been for quite a while, this is not a uh, kind of a reaction to to anything. This is literally just me and Sandra and Ray marinating in uh, a bunch of different things over the last number of months, and I would even quite comfortably say years. If we're going to be a house of restoration then this has to be a safe place for everybody. So if we're believing for the addictions in people and those people to come, those who are alcoholics to come, those with drug addictions to come, those with a whole bunch of addictions and hang-ups to come, then we have to have a safe place for them to come to to get healed and made whole. And if they come and they they get healed and they get touched by the Lord and then one of the first opportunities they do to connect with people is they go out and realize that those people are drinking and then they stumble into their alcoholism again and, and we're to blame. That's a problem. So what we're going to do uh, is just bring some more clarity to this issue. Um, I relate it to the f- fact that we need to sanctify in order to occupy, but in, in actuality, this has more to do with being a house of restoration than anything else. I want to state up front This is not a biblical standard. This is a community standard. Okay, the Bible is very clear that drunkenness is a sin. It doesn't say having a sip of alcohol is a sin. So I want to make that abundantly clear that this is not a biblical standard issue. This is a community standard issue that we are putting into place at certain levels of leadership in our church so that those leaders will be an example to those that are coming in. It will not be a cause uh, to be a stumbling block. Um. I can come back to this whole idea of sanctifying in order to occupy. I want to ask you a couple of questions. Does your Facebook page or your Twitter page or your Instagram account reflect the person of Jesus Christ or not? Are you building, uh, is your life an example or a building block for somebody else? Um, are you living in the realm of what is permissible rather than what is beneficial? for others and I'm not just talking about the issue of alcohol there I'm talking about anything is what you're allowing or is permissible in your life is it going to cause someone else to fall into sin because of what you think is permissible for you coming to Christ if I can say it like this coming to Christ is about separation and surrender what are we willing to surrender in order to be an example for somebody else As I was thinking about the Shunammite woman and what she did and how she made, uh, literally, room for the prophetic destiny on her life, I actually remembered that her story didn't start and end in 2 Kings chapter 4. But it actually carries on in chapter 8. And if I can end this morning with this one thought, I think it's incredibly powerful for what we're talking about this morning. And just to give you a little bit of context to the story, the prophet Elisha warns her, of a seven-year famine that was to come on the land. And as a result, she and her family literally leave their house and their land for seven years. So let's pick up the story in 2 Kings chapter 8, verse 3, and it says this, and it came to pass at the end of seven years that the women returned from the land of the Philistines, and she went to make an appeal to the king for her house and for her land. Then the king talked with Gehazi, the servant of the man of God, saying, Tell me, please, all the great things Elisha has done. Now it happened as he was telling the king how he had restored the dead to life, that there was the woman whose son had been restored to life, appealing to the king for her house and for her land. And Gehazi said, My lord, O king, this is the woman, and this is her son, whom Elisha restored to life. And when the king Asked the woman, she told him. So the king appointed a certain officer for her, saying, Restore all that was hers. Restore all that was hers. And all the proceeds of the field from the day that she left the land until now. Restore all. Not only did she get her house back, not only did she get her land back, but she also got all the proceeds from her land for the last seven years of which she was not there for. Why? Because she made room for her prophetic destiny. And she was given favor with the head of the city. Listen to me this morning. If we make room... For the prophetic destiny of this house for impact church we will find favor in the city of that I have no doubt for Proverbs eleven eleven says by the blessing of the upright the city is exalted I have news for you today I have news for you this morning that as we align ourselves with God's plan and purpose as we align ourselves to the prophetic destiny over this house God will bring blessing and favor and will cause things to come to pass in a way that we could never make happen even if we tried to figure it all out, it would happen in a way that is so God, totally God, forever God, and in such a way that will cause us to be literally like a catalyst for growth and a catalyst for change in our church. I believe God for great things this year. I believe that we are about ready to step into a year of breakthrough, a year of change, and a year of transformation. Are you ready for it this morning?